Welcome to episode 11 of Auto Off Topic. We're, uh, I'm calling this Lane 11s. Lane 11s? Yeah, you ever heard that? Yeah, burnouts. Yeah. Putting down strips. You'd have posi traction, though. I was going to say, some of our guys put down lay, ones. Just lay down ones. <laughs> you could run next to me. We could run 11s that way. Two yeah. open diff cars. So uh, I'm your host. Uh, I'm your A host, Andrew. With the, Brad put a little note in here. Coincidentally, apparently A is for asshole. Well, hey, you put down you're the A host, and I was the B host, so <laughs> I needed to make sure that you knew where you stood. B is for bastard man. <laughs> and Dennis is bastard man. Uh, fans. So what's going on? Uh, not much. What's going on with you? Not too much. I can't believe it's already been a week. Uh, I know. It seems like we're just here. I know, right? And uh, it's also like 50 degrees out today, which for New England is ridiculous for January 10th, 11th, whatever day is, 11th. Well, we... Stay 11th? Are we late yeah, in 11th? Are we late in 11th? That's, why, 11th? that's nice. why I call it 11, yeah. The, uh, it was, oh, it was so cold the last couple of days. I mean, it was like. Like 10. Yeah. But Fahrenheit, yeah. Why do we live here? I'm walking outside. I'm like, it hurts to breathe. Why do I live here? Well, I, I, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, I can't uh, answer the question. We're nope. here. We were born we're, here. We're yeah, stuck here. We just stayed here. We're not stuck on. here. We just decided to stay for some reason. I'm a little more stuck than you. The, uh. Not that I'm stuck. I just, you know, I have a kid in school and all that stuff. So I don't know. Yeah. Pull her out now, and someday we'll move away. Mm-hmm. So Hopefully, warm. somewhere close to each other still, but we'll figure it out. Yep, bro, love the. Uh, <laughs> oh, it was so cold. Everything's salty. At least it rained though yesterday, so it washed. Most yeah, but of it's it gonna rain the next two days, and then be ten degrees again on Saturday. So, it'll just so it'll salt it again. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, gee, I should wash the cars, but I'm not sure if it's worth it. Yeah, well, I told Deb last night we gotta wash her car before it rots away on us. Yeah, I. I think I'll run the Montero through the car wash. Yeah, just don't do the bottom blasters because it's no, 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 just the sides. Stuff on it, yeah. yeah, just I'll wash just, off the protection. Nope, just wash the salt off the body. I, I mean, I did wax it a couple times, you know, in the fall, like in the summer and then the fall. So before, or after we scraped all the wax off on the trees in the woods. Yeah, uh, I did it before and then I did it after because I actually buffed out a lot of the the trail pinstripes in New England pinstripes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so anyway, the coloring contest is still going on. Yes, it is. No I, entrance yet. In fact, Andrew no. and I haven't colored one either, no. so we should probably jumpstart that. I think Stephanie was going to print some out because he's going home to visit uh, family in Arizona. She was going to print some out for her niece and nephew to color in. So. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So we'll have an official competition started. That's right. See, I was going to print them out for my daughter, but then I realized I don't have a printer in my house. Oh, So can't. I need to buy a printer. And you don't work in an office currently. And I don't, my my so office is my house. I have a home office and no printer. <laughs> I have so, a printer. I, mean, I, I could go to, like, you know, Staples, but... I, I used it so infrequently that the ink dried up. Yeah, that's the problem. It's so annoying. The technology should be better than it is. It shouldn't cost $100 oh, for ink still in it, though. Also joining us uh, down here tonight is Enzo, the dog. He is. He's Was sitting it? on the floor all quiet already, yeah. though, so that's good. He's nice and quiet. He's sitting on the rug. He's going to protect us from any murderers that come in here. He took off his jingle jangly collar, yep. so we shouldn't hear him too much. But he deserves to be down here anyway because he's Enzo, and that's you know automotive related dog yeah. name. Yep, he's kind of a jerk, like Enzo Ferrari was. I don't know if he's a jerk. He ate all my chocolate chip cookies. Yeah, he's a jerk. Were they homemade. Stephanie, yeah, Stephanie made chocolate chip cookies from scratch. Yeah, he must me? know we're talking about. It. His head just popped up. <laughs> yeah. So uh, he ate like twelve to fifteen chocolate chip cookies. Does that make him a jerk, or are you? An improper dog owner for leaving them in reach. We thought we put them out of reach, but yeah, apparently well, he's a lot taller than we thought when he stands up. So, 
Well, we all know, if you've seen The Secret Life of Pets, the movie, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you don't have a kid. Yeah. Um, it's really good, actually, but animals, sure have, animals have quite a life when you leave the house. Is it Pixar? It so, is a Pixar so, movie, yeah. It's probably good. If it's not Pixar, it's the same style as a Pixar movie. Yeah. I don't remember if it is or not. I don't think they make cell animated movies anymore. Yeah, not really. It's all computer, whatever. Every now and then something comes out and it's like a, a throwback, but as a general rule, they're all computer animated because I'm sure it's a lot cheaper. Oh, you're probably like, your dog ate chocolate chip cookies. Did he get sick? He didn't really get sick because he's a big dog. And apparently it's like one, it's like 12 ounces of cho- – it's like an ounce of chocolate per pound or something. Okay. And he's like 70 he's pounds. He's 70 pounds. He only had like 12 ounces of chocolate. So he just – he was like up all night low last night. Like just pacing the house because all the sugar. Straight sugar and caffeine <laughs> from, the, from the cocoa. Yeah. Dummy. Yep. Oh, well. My dog would have eaten it too, so. Yeah. My dog once ate my whole entire dinner. When I went to get a beer out of the fridge, so I got takeout and I left it on the coffee table. And as I'm leaving it on the coffee table, I walked into the kitchen to get a beer out of the fridge. And I came back, and the entire like he he wolfed down this chicken broccoli <laughs> ziti like it was his job. I better get this. <laughs> yeah, we had to take him out to to you know do his business like four times that night because all oh, that milk yep. content did not do him well. Nope, and they don't care. Nope, nope, nope. Anyway, anyway, on to important car stuff. So, no corrections and missions? Skip over that tonight. We didn't get to talk last week because Jared was telling us his car history. And if he was wrong, nobody knows. Nope. So, not saying that you did anything wrong, Jared. It was excellent having you on. We enjoyed your car history. Yeah, it was really great having a guest. So, we're going to try to do that at least once a month, hopefully. Yeah, to start. Mm-hmm. We were talking with our next guest today, or yesterday, whatever it was, about mm-hmm. scheduling a time he can come down and record with us. So, that's good. Yep. Y'all be excited to hear him. Master Fabricator. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have no Project Car updates. I haven't touched anything. Uh, I did buy some. Uh, I know you had a, you've had you got a box of Mitsu oil filters, but I ordered like five off eBay because they were so cheap. Oh, really? Factory I have the case in the basement. So. Yeah, I'll have them tomorrow, and then I was going to change the oil on that over the weekend. That's in about it. In the Montero, yeah. Yep. Yeah, i got to do Deb Saab, too. It's been a while. It's kind of due. Well, I'm around Saturday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll probably do it Saturday. Um, did you get the? You didn't get the head checked. For I the didn't. Radar. Uh, we're gonna do that either tomorrow or Friday. Okay. So tomorrow being Thursday. Because um, if you do get that checked and it's all set, we can you try have to gaskets. Do it on Friday. I have the head gasket set. Well, I ordered it in like a long time ago, and yeah. I never picked it up. So they hopefully still it's still it. at the store. Oh, okay. Uh, if not, I'll order it for next week. But oh, okay, because we could just toss it on Saturday. It depends. I don't know schedule it on Saturday. All right. Uh, my project car updates. I don't really have any either. I've just been busy shopping for trucks. So, Rusty bro trucks? Rusty bro trucks. Man, they're all rusty bro trucks around here. I found one that's not rusty, and I'm working on a deal now, so hopefully it goes through. But I don't want to say too much and ruin the whole thing. So I didn't knows. know they were uh, – I didn't know the Duramaxes were V8 diesels. Yeah, the V8 diesels, which our uh, listener friend um, Chris has been – Razzing me about that all real diesels are inline sixes, and I shouldn't even bother. That's kind of true. Well, I, I I like the reputation the Duramax has earned, mm-hmm. and it has backed by that Allison transmission. Yep. And the only way to get an inline six diesel is to get a Dodge, which is still backed by a Dodge transmission. Yeah. So I'm and, gonna and stick I think with the Caterpillar. It's a Caterpillar, yeah. Yeah. Not Cummins. Oh, Cummins. Cummins, yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you get like a. The only other thing I know of like a. The old, like, Detroit diesels are straight sixes. Yeah, well, the 
the I don't think the Duramax was designed as a gas motor first and converted over. I think it's just designed from the ground up as a diesel. So I'm not, and, and it's, it's it's proven itself now over the past ten fifteen years. So I, it's it's a good motor. I looked it up today because I was curious. I was like, how much power does that have? So it's three hundred horsepower, which isn't a lot. Not a ton, but it's five hundred and twenty foot torque. pounds of yeah. torque. Yeah, which is what diesels do. They just have yeah. torque. And even though this is like a you know six thousand pound truck. However heavy it is, I mean it 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 really boogies off the line. Yeah. So, does it have a posse? It's yeah, it's got a posse. So oh, yeah. it will lay elevens. It will definitely lay elevens. Really expensive elevens with light truck, you know, towing tires, but yeah, e load range tires. Yeah, you don't want to do. You don't want to run that. No, I don't want to beat the truck up. I got to rely on it to drive around. So, anyway, the truck we're talking about is what I looked at today. It's an 05. So hopefully the deal goes through on that because it's got the right mileage, the right options, and. uh all set up to tow so yeah because i need my truck picked up we need your truck picked up and some other stuff and we found that cressida online today which we wanted to run out and get but brown woody wagon cressida oh my god yeah soon soon we'll be able to just yep up and grab up stuff and like that yeah we have a uh junkyard in virginia to go visit why what's there uh i've been told um by a friend of mine who bought a rabbit from them that it is a not really a junkyard, but more like a collection of parts cars, which are now old enough that they're not parts cars anymore. They could easily be restored. Oh. And they're all vintage import cars from like the 60s and 70s. Tons of Japanese, tons of German, you know, air-cooled Volkswagens and, and Datsuns and all kinds of good stuff. Neat. Playing with the levels. I heard my, I my, yeah, I heard my headphone go up. Playing the levels a little bit. We're we're still experimenting with audio quality. We're trying to improve it, so it's a learn as you go process. Yeah, and if anybody has any input as to how it sounds, it'd be appreciated as well. Yep. Well, so moving off of no project car updates, we've scale project car updates. Do you? Yes. So I've been working on that pre-painted Aoshima Evo. Yes. So it's super easy because it's pre-painted. That's the gray one. It's the gray one. Yeah, it's the final edition. Yep. Which we've learned. Uh, you can still buy a brand you new. You can still buy a brand new 2015. <laughs> Which has them on their website for 2015. brand new. <laughs> you can buy one now, like, out the door for, like, 34 grand. They're cheaper than yeah. when I bought mine in 08. But the problem right. is it's it's the same car from 2008, basically. I don't know, though, for a brand new car. The only the other thing, too, is I think at some point in 2013, for some reason, they had to ditch the... Recaro seats. Oh, that's right. Too. The they best have the base part model about Lancers. the interior, because the interior isn't that great. So yeah, so you're buying an Evo and you get base Lancer GTS seats, you're which like, aren't even that grippy. No, they're terrible. Yeah. But it was some something to do. Somebody told me was the airbags. Yeah, but I don't understand because there's so many cars that come with Recaro seats. How could you not make these? Maybe the airbags that needed to fit, fit in that car didn't fit with the pillars. Who knows? It's so bizarre and dumb. Well, we're not buying one, so it doesn't matter. No. And in fact, now that I remember that, I probably would never even I, want to buy one. Honestly, I would just buy one, and, and you just buy wrecked seats. You just buy Recaro seats out of a wrecked car, wrecked car and yeah. just put them in. Because it's, it would be a. I mean, for me, if I could afford it, I would probably buy one just because I like them and I owned one, and it's kind of nostalgic to have a numbered. To final, have that final edition. To have that numbered final edition to kind of book in with my numbered Gallant. Right. I wonder if there are any more. Specific to the VIN and the number on these cars. I don't know. Yeah, I'll, look, I'll to... look that one up. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the kit is just gluing and adding decals. Does the kit have Recaros? It does have Recaros. Oh, it's not a U.S. market car. No, though. it's not a U.S. market okay. car. Okay, it's it's right hand drive. So the decals are super nice. I put them in. The dash looks really awesome. Everything is pre. I didn't detail paint 
anything except for adding a little bit of shadowing with the Tamiya smoke color. Yeah. And then I've just been using, it takes me a little while because I've been using the crystal clear, the microscale crystal clear glue just so it doesn't fog anything. You have way where, more patience than I do. Yeah, where I can. It, it depends on like heavy structural stuff like that suspension part. I had to use the super glue. Super glue. But it didn't fog anything. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, the opposite side now is looser than, than the, the side I fixed. Side. Yeah, so I might, I might just take it apart. It's really easy and fix it. But anyway, next on that is just going to be like body and lights. Yep. We're going to get those finished and take some pictures and put them up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So, did you work on anything? Not really. No? No. I've been, again, I've been running all over New England looking for a truck. Yep. So, I've been driving around all day, Connecticut, down the Cape, and Western Mass, and everywhere looking for a truck. So, I did pick up that, I was at Target the other night, I picked up that C3 Corvette casting, the convertible, the race car. The Hot Wheels one? Yeah, it's kind of, it's supposed to be like the Greenwood, like early Greenwood cars. Yep. It doesn't have the super wide body kit on it. It's like the early, early cars. I think there used to be a release of that particular car that had the rubber tires and like a real life racing mm-hmm. scheme on it. So I did see a couple more of the track day versions last night. One of them was the Carmen Ghia. Yeah. I don't know if that's it. I didn't like it. So I, didn't it's buy kinda, it. I like Carmen Ghia's. Carmen Ghia's are a... I didn't like that particular cast and the way it was set up. It's kind of like a drag car or something. A little bit, yeah. Then they had a version of the Chevelle. Yeah, the one with all the flares and everything on yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't buy it though. I was like, eh. I'm a bit of a completionist. I bought the whole set. Yeah. I didn't like them, so I didn't buy them. They look good in the package. The yeah. next set is already out anyway, the uh, Redliners. Yeah. The drag cars, which are really cool. Have you been watching uh, Dakar? I'm not caught up. I'm not caught up. I'm I, through like day four or five. I'm caught up to Sunday, basically because Saturday through Sunday, I think it, it rained it a rained lot. Out on, a couple of yeah, days, they rained right? out a stage on Saturday. Like total mud. Like pretty crazy stuff, but yeah, I haven't gone that far yet. I've uh, just watched, you know, it's it's an hour episode or half hour episode, half hour episode yeah. of NBC Sports. And I've America. watched the first, I think, five Which, episodes. It's, it's really good coverage for yeah, a half it's, hour. It's better than nothing, and it's for the time frame they're allotted. You get a lot of info. Yeah, and, and it's I, pretty, of course. Yeah, it looks really good. They do a really good job filming it, and I don't like. I get the I get the Red Bull updates, but I don't always, you know, look at them. Don't follow them all day. Yeah, and I don't read it all day, but. The, the one thing being being car enthusiasts, I wish that there was more of uh, time spent on the cars and trucks than there is on the bikes and quads and stuff. I mean, I like it all. I like the bikes. The quads, I could care less about for some reason. I don't understand why either. I could care less either. They just you don't like them. They're four wheeled vehicles. Yeah, they just, but don't, they just don't, don't do anything for me. For me. The the dirt bikes are so much cooler when the when they, the guys know that they're being followed by the obviously they know because they see the helicopter yeah. and they and they at a point where they can just kind of cruise and they start doing tricks over jumps and stuff. Yep. It's pretty cool. Which speaking of the the lead KTM rider that was the favorite to win. He had he had plate number 1. Right. Which means he won last year, right? Yeah. Toby Price yeah. like crashed out and just broke his leg, like broke his femur, like just That's sad. It it sucks. It's a tough race though. It's a super tough race because so many top names were out in the first week. If like Nasser Alatia crashed the Toyota, yep. that was. Did you see how they fixed it though? They tried to get it home. Like they, what was on three wheels? Yeah, he lost the back wheel, so they yeah. balanced it out with the spare. The spare on the top of the hood. And then, yeah, a bunch of rocks. Yep. They tried to just kind of drag it home. That so, truck is awesome looking, by the way. Yeah, those Toyotas. Like, I really want one of those now. And the the Ford Rangers are really good looking. The Ranger looks like a mini Raptor, and it is the coolest thing ever. There's a Raptor, like a privateer Raptor, running around too. Oh, is there? I didn't notice. Uh, that yet. And the 
man, the Peugeots are just so goddamn ugly. They look like buggies. I don't they, know how they're in the cars class. I'm not even sure. It look it looks like a, like like a Hot Wheels creation kind of thing. Like it doesn't even look like a real car. No, they built it purely to win the car, but it's just like not pretty. It doesn't make any sense because they're supposed to be based not not based on a real car because the trucks aren't either. No, but they're supposed to look like something. Like when Volkswagen ran the Touareg, it was the same similar well, the mini setup. At least looks like a mini. Yeah, it doesn't look good either though. It's no, it's ugly. ugly. It's disproportionate, too. but it's a really nice looking race car. Sort of. No, I guess. it's not. No, I mean, yeah. I want the I want the Toyota to win just because it's a cool looking truck. Yeah, <laughs> that's the only reason I care. Yeah, and the. There's some privateermen species. There are. Couple, couple yeah, they're not going to win, unfortunately. No. I mean, that's what makes those races is really, I wish they did a little more in the privateers. The, people, the top three teams. The people that show up and just do it. They like, seem to with the motorcycles. They give the most coverage to the motorcycles. Uh, those guys, I mean, they ride all day. Then they got to fix their own bike. Then they got to sleep in a tent outside. Yeah. Well, the day when it was like 110 degrees, oh, too. They had a refrigerator truck? They had a refrigerator truck? truck that was, what, 12 degrees inside? Something, yeah, just to cool them so off. So they go for like almost a 100-degree difference in temperature. They'd stand in it to cool them off and have them drink some water and to cool their core temperatures down. That was really cool. And then I don't remember the guy's name. It was the first day. He was a Frenchman. He was a privateer, and he broke his wrist. Like, he made it to the finish line, and you can just see he's just crying. He's in so much pain. And they're, like, trying to set his wrist, and they just, like, wrap it. And he's like, no, no, I'm going to keep going. He's... I don't know if he's still in it, but I mean that's hardcore. I mean you only get once a year to do it, so it sucks. And if you might you can't not get finish. in the next year either. You never know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how much it costs to enter. I mean, it must. Sure, sure it's not cheap. <laughs> it's gotta, uh, yeah, and you can't just enter with like a shit box. Like you got to have like a nice. You can't. Race you can't Caswell bar it. No, I don't think so. No, I don't think so either. Or like Gamblet. Like no, a five hundred dollar car in the Paris <laughs> of the car. <laughs> The funny thing is that'd probably be what would you know it probably wind up being fine. Yeah, just slow. And the uh, oh Car- that huge roll by Carlos Sainz. Yes. In the Peugeot, that's the other thing. The Peugeots look unstable. They're very wide. I think they're it's... super wide. But every you see a lot of video, especially they Sainz. look a lot more stable than the yeah, Echo truck. Yeah, but Sa- like Carlos Sainz gets the thing like on two wheels a lot. He's like, I don't know if he's aggressive. driving because he's at yeah driving at ten tenths or eleven tenths maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's then, cool coverage if you're not watching it. Yeah. Watch it. I think yeah. it's almost over, but yeah, it is almost over. It, yeah. might, it might be on demand or something, but yeah. definitely watch it. It's really cool stuff. The heavy trucks are they're amazing to watch. Awesome. Yeah, and they don't get hardly any coverage, unfortunately. No, they they need more coverage. I mean, those things those weigh so much. They're so. I mean, they're a full size like big rig. Yeah, they're like straight jobs. Yeah, like what is it four, eight, ten wheelers? Yeah, or however many, but they get wide tires. They're probably not ten. They're probably six, but. No, they're, they're mostly they, they four. Is that four? four? Yeah. Okay. But they're, they're just, big trucks. And they're super fast. I mean, they're doing like 95 miles an hour on the flats. I think that those started as like support trucks. Yeah, they were following them. Yeah. Now they become a class of their own. Yeah. I mean, you get – it's cool because there's three. You get the, the driver, the co-driver, and then the, the ride-along mechanic. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the – there's an awesome video. I think it's an Aveco. That's it's one a, of the big trucks. red truck. There, yeah. It's slow mo. I mean, they go up a dune, and you're. They they talked about one of the covers things like you're sitting in it, and you're basically looking straight in the sky because the truck just goes straight up in a truck. In a truck, in a, the size of like a twenty eight foot U haul truck. Yeah, so you're already <laughs> you're already like six feet off the ground. The riding mechanic is even higher. Like yeah, the center seat's up high insane. in the middle. Insane. And then they were getting stuck in the mud in the first day, and just like, I mean, they're probably like thirty thousand pound toe straps. They're just. Well, they have to be because the trucks are almost thirty thousand pounds. Yeah, probably. and they're just—they're trying to pull them out of the mud, and they're just snapping them. Yeah, it's crazy. 
insane. But I wonder if anybody does a scale model of any of those trucks. Are the new was, ones? Yeah. There's definitely the older ones, right? I don't know. Not it's a plastic one, but like a diecast 143rd or something. Oh, I don't know. It'd be cool to have one on the shelf. I have a couple of Dakar models that I haven't built any more or built any of. So I know you got the Mitsubishi Obviously. Pajero from yeah. 92 or 93. I, I was at your house the other day, and I, I remember I traded you the 959 car. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rothmans 959. Yeah, I should build that. Yeah, I should. That's a cool car. I had to have a uh, Mercedes G-Wagon. That was a Paris yep. car truck. Yep. Yeah, back when they ran through Africa. Yeah, like 79. Mm-hmm. 80. I wouldn't be after 79. It wasn't the first year. Oh, geez, I think it was 79. Go. I don't remember. Well, anyway, look it up. Yeah, we're not really, we're not super good at motorsports. We're casual enthusiasts. This is yeah, exactly. this is casually talking about Dakar. Because I uh, and if you really are into motorsports, there's another podcast called uh, DFL Show, and you should listen to it and you'll learn why it's called DFL. Yep. But it's hosted by uh, Brad Brownell, Steph Schrader, Eric Rude, Duncan Ende. I think that's how you say his last name. Patrick Hofstetter. And they are all motorsports nerds. Like they get in a good really, way. Yeah, they know their shit. Seventy-eight was the first yeah. year. Of they know their shit about motorsports. So, oh no, seventy-nine. Let's check that out for that motorsports really stuff. So, enough with Dakar. But yeah. Oh, the only other thing that Dakar makes me want is uh, like deep center bore rally wheels, like rally wheels for your truck for my truck. Yeah, they are really cool looking. They are cool. But. That's the other thing we're we're a little bit biased towards liking Dakar because we drive Monteros, which. Pajeros have always been mm-hmm. successful. Actually, the most successful, most successful winning vehicle is a Pajero, isn't it? So far, like but they haven't won in a long time. Yeah. So, you know, the Toyotas and the Peugeots, those are they're catching up. And then, of course, Petter Hansel still races, but he drives for Peugeot. So, right. he, if he continues to drive for Peugeot, and if he wins, then they may eclipse that. So, well, just Mitsubishi needs to get yeah. you know, yeah, Mitsubishi is the most successful manufacturer in the car class. So our topic for this week, we kind of realized when we were talking to Jared that we never, I don't remember us going over our car history, our personal car history. I don't think we have. I think we tried to stay away from it at first because we didn't want to just be a podcast that was just you and me sitting here being like, hey, this is what we have for cars. I think that's kind of why we stayed away from it in the beginning. But we, we we certainly should let people know how we got to where we are today. Yeah. And it was cool talking to Jared about it and learning through about his car history. And it was just kind of like a, a a walk down memory lane kind of deal. Yeah. And it was it was interesting. So I'd like to do that with you because we've known each other for the entire time we've been driving. Mm-hmm. So we've each driven or ridden in each other's every car, I think. Yeah, I think so. Maybe you didn't drive my Cutlass because you weren't old enough yet. No, I wasn't. But you definitely rode in it. I definitely rode in it. So... There's a lot of uh, hobby shop runs in that car. Yes, they were. <laughs> uh, last last Pajero win was 2007. Yeah, but it wasn't. It was that. Uh, it was that one that's like based on the new Outlander, like that look. It's not really a really Pajero, really a Pajero. No, it was like a total works car. Yeah, doesn't matter. But it was pretty cool. Yeah, it looked good. Yeah, anyway, what? Uh, we'll move on. What was your so your first car? Your first first car was the Oldsmobile? No. Well, the first car I ever had, first yeah. car I ever owned, was my Camaro. Oh, that's right. I still have it today. Yeah. Because I have a automotive background with my father being a huge car guy and a huge car collector. He told my mother when I was eight years old that he was going to buy a car and put it in storage somewhere for me to get when I could drive it later on in life. Didn't he buy you a Torino first? Yeah, there was a Torino that he was going to give to me, but then he decided to sell it by something else. So that was never really. Yeah. I consider the Camaro my first car because 
I don't know, at the Torino, I was like, I was six, you know. (laughs) So those those cars weren't worth a lot back then. No, well, you think about it, in 1989, it was a 21-year-old Camaro. That's right. So I have a 1968 Camaro that my father bought off the original owner. Yep. Um, It's a 68 SS 350 four-speed convertible. So it's a pretty, pretty good car to own now, but I can't sell it because... It means too much to me. Yeah, but it's a, as far as value goes, it's certainly a car that has gained a lot in value. It's not like you bought a '75 Camaro or something. So, no, I mean it didn't cost a ton of money in '89, and uh, he put it away with the foresight that I was going to have it as a teenager, and uh, I did. I didn't get it when I first became a teenager. He had me, you know, drive my other car for a little while and prove that I wasn't going to be a complete jackass and ruin the car the first day I had it. So it was kind of like a. Wasn't that a local car that a guy special ordered? You should um, tell, tell me a story about that car. Okay, it's... the car came from the Cape. Yep. Um, so the Cape is Cape Cod. Cape Cod, yeah. I didn't bring the info with me, and it's been a long time since I've done it. So I don't remember the dealer name or the owner's name or any of that stuff. But I have everything that he ever had with the car from day one. I remember you talking, wasn't he a traveling salesman or something? Uh, something like that. And something he, where he was on the road. And he had a stipend to buy he a company car. He had a stipend to buy a company car, and he had a few rules to buy a car. They said you have to buy a, an American car, uh, and this is the budget you have, and other than that, go to town. Buy whatever you want. So he said, well, I want a Camaro. This is 1968, so the yep. car is only a year old. It's a cool car. Yeah, he said, I want a Camaro. I want a convertible. I want a 350. And I want a manual transmission. And I want it to have disc brakes. Because I went to the dealership, and I still have the dealership brochure from his trip to the dealership where he checked off and wrote down his options that he wanted, which is pretty cool. Which was cool, because back then you could select individual options. Special order everything, Stupid yeah. packages that they bundle things now. So he went and he, he checked off what he wanted. The Camaro in green with the convertible top yep. and a four-speed. SS stripes. And he wanted the 350, so he had to get the SS package. Yep. Um, and he wanted disc brakes. So it didn't fit into the budget. So he said, okay, what can I delete? So they deleted power steering. They deleted power everything. So no power windows, no power steering, no AC, um, no power top, nothing special at all. Um, and they deleted the radio. Yep. So it's got a radio block-off blade from the factory, which is pretty rare nowadays. That lasted this long without one, too. Nobody ever put a radio in this car Yeah, from it, day one. And it's weird because it has an antenna spot. It has an antenna. on the, But no yeah, antenna. Exactly. So he got the car the price range he wanted. So it's, a like I said, a 350 four-speed SS with the disc brake front. And he wasn't happy with the way the car performed. Yeah. He didn't like the way it stopped. So he went back to the dealer, and he said, what can we do? To make this car stop better. And they said, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? Guy? Um, so he, he got in touch with somebody at GM. And he expressed his interest in making the car stop better. So they sent a kit to the dealership. And I have a letter of thanks from uh, a, a, one of the you know VPs at GM at the time. Um, they sent a kit to the dealership to upgrade to uh, the stainless steel dual piston Corvette calipers and, and brakes for the front of the car. So the car has those put in the front of it now. Weird. So they must yeah. have just bolted to the original spindles and stuff? Yeah, everything bolts in. It just wasn't an available option on that car. Weird. But I have all the documentation saying it was done for that particular car. So Wow. Pretty pretty rare setup. Now, if you want... You've never done front brakes on that? Cause it, I've never had to do it because I only drive it, you know, a yeah, thousand miles I, a year. I'm just wondering, like, if you went to do front brakes... 
heavy Corvette pads and stuff. Weird. Yeah. It's so weird. I'm going to do it this year. I'm going to rebuild the whole front of the car this yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Because the steering box is getting a little sloppy and, you know, it's 30-something years old. Some fresh tires on it. Yeah, it's 39 years old this mm-hmm. year, actually, right? Yeah. 39? 49. 49. Mm-hmm. 49. Jeez, the car's getting old. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to put some tires and wheels and stuff on it, so change a couple little things around. Nothing, uh, nothing to ruin the character of the car because... Here it is, 49 years old, and the car is still in original paint, original interior, original yeah. top, original motor. 100% original, never-been-touched car. So, yep. No, it's a neat car. Yeah, it's a very neat car. I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate to have gotten it the way I got it, and I thank him every day that I got that car the way I got it. So, mm-hmm. My first car I owned that I drove every day was a 1985 Oldsmobile Cutlass, which cracked me up thinking about it now because... I got my license in 1997. Yeah. So the car was only... It was only 10 years old. Yeah, 12 years old when, years when old. I got the car. But the tech difference... We've talked about this before. The tech difference from a car in the 80s and the car that 85 came out... 85 to 97 was a big jump in car yeah. technology. Yeah. Especially American cars. Yeah, because anything, anything now from like 2000 on doesn't feel that old to me. All right, they all feel the same. Yeah. Honestly, from like 95 on, they feel about the same. Mm-hmm. That's usually what my... Most cars, when I cut off my interest, is about yeah, yeah, yeah. about ninety five when OBD two yep. became OBD one. Excuse me, became the standard and OBD two in ninety five. Okay, OBD two in ninety five. Yeah, yeah, basically whatever yeah. it was yeah, ninety six. So yeah, it became, started becoming the standard in ninety five. So that, to me, that's kind of the end of the older style of cars. And it's a big tech jump between like Go my eighty five Oldsmobile Cutlass, which was a body on frame with you know recirculating ball steering and just a standard. Same as a 1965 Olds Cutlass was, you know. So that was the first car I had. Uh, short story: It was owned by a neighbor um, down the end of our street, uh, a couple years older than me, so he's probably four or five years older than I was. It was his first car, and he wrecked it, you know, a half a dozen times because he was a bit of an animal. Mm. Um, thought he blew the motor up, went out and bought a new car. And came down to, because his father and my father were friends, and he came down and said, hey, I'm going to send this car to the junkyard. Now your son is, you know, I think I was 14 or 15. Mm-hmm. He's going to need his license pretty soon. Is he interested in just taking it and fiddling with it and getting it put back together for him to have when he turned 16? Because it's just going to the junkyard. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, the junkyard probably would give him $25 then for the car. So It wasn't really a junkyard car either. No, it wasn't wonderful, but it was faded. The paint was bad. The interior was worn. But it wasn't like rotted out. Uh, it wasn't great. It wasn't. It wasn't perfect, but it it it, it passed inspection. I guess time makes things look better. Yeah, it was the first car, so it was yeah. awesome. It was, yeah. the greatest, it was the greatest car in the world when yeah. you're 16. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we got the car to the shop, and uh, my father was driving it, and he said, "You know, the motor is wrapping like crazy, but it feels fine. So I don't understand what's going on. So we put it on a lift. We put it up in the air." And we dropped the uh, inspection plate on the transmission, yeah. the, the torque converter and flywheel are. And all that had happened was two bolts had backed out of the flywheel, and as the engine was spinning, we were whacking the bell housing. <laughs> so we bolted it back in, fired the car up, and it was a normal-sounding car. So now he felt bad, called the guy back, hey, you know, you gave us this car, and it's fine. Like, what are you going to do now? Yeah. And he's like, well, I gave you the car. I already bought a new car. I already paid for it. I don't have time to deal with it because he was in college or something at the time. He's like, just just keep it. You know, I was bringing it to the junkyard, so it's fine. So the car cost nothing. 
which was good. Because, <laughs> you know, car insurance when you're 16 is very expensive. A couple grand a year at the time, which is a lot in 97. So we, uh, I drove the car for a long time. Painted it, Ford, Toreador Red, like the 97 Windstar color. Um, and just drove it. Yeah, it went, through like a couple, a, went through a couple of transmissions, went through a couple of rear ends. Couple, kind of like a purpley metallic. It was like a burgundy red metallic. It was a really pretty color. If you look at like a 97 Ford Windstar, they were all this red color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, got the same, same color almost as like Dev Saab is now. Yeah. But, so that was next. And then uh, what happened after that? I guess then it would have been the... Uh, it was the Talon, right? It was right? the Talon, yeah. Which leads us to today pretty much. <laughs> so I got the uh, Eagle Talon. Mm-hmm. Um, after looking at a few cars, because I, I was like, you know, I was a car guy, and here I was driving this six-cylinder Cutlass, which looked the part of an old muscle car, because it had, you know, the rally wheels, and mm-hmm. especially in wintertime with the big snow tires in the back, and I, so it almost looked like it had big and littles on it, but it was a six-cylinder, you know, little 3.8 six-cylinder with a two-barrel car, but it was mm-hmm. a real dog. So being a car guy, I wanted something fun. So I found that Eagle Talon. Yeah. Uh, same, original owner car, was a... Probably mid thirty year old um, school teacher from Peabody. Yep. So we bought that and learned a whole hell of a lot real quick. Mm-hmm. So that's the one we went into and didn't know anything about cars or anything about we knew about cars but nothing about import cars and uh, went into that bought it with one hundred and three thousand miles didn't do the timing belt nope just went out and I had the car painted and done up nice and did all kinds of work to the car. I remember the first time it broke. I was with you. We, like, pulled out on the street doing, like, 10 miles an hour and just shut off. Where were we? Highland Ave? We pulled on to Boston. Boston. No, we pulled from Flint Street onto, uh, this, what street is that? The street the library's on. Essex Street. Essex Street. Okay. But regardless. I just quit. Um, so, yeah, the timing belt let go because they don't last for, because at the time it was... 1999 or 2000, uh, late 99, I think I bought the car, uh, but I'd already spent a ton of money on it. So mm-hmm. I paid $3,000 for the car and I put a couple of grand in the bodywork. And then I, I was like, all right, I just spent $5,000 on this car. We're going to put a motor in it. So, um, quick time out to take care of the dog. Yeah. Let me pause because yeah, Enzo's be, being fussy. So we'll, be right, we'll be right back. And we're back. Okay. Sorry about that. We'll pretend it was a commercial break. Yes. We're not going to make any money. Insert commercials here. <laughs> um, let's talk about shaving my head. Oh, different podcast, different podcast. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I I bought, I did. You off topic. I did buy those finally because yep. they're at Target. I didn't want to order them online. Oh, really? I was just like, eh. Ordering raises online is weird, but I I tried them because they have some deal with Target. They actually are really good, but. You clearly haven't shaved. I, I would. I wouldn't know. <laughs> you haven't shaved in a while, so. I haven't used a razor on my own face in a long time. Yeah. But anyway, you were talking about. So we we're talking about. The so we're talking about the first time the car blew up. So um, I don't even remember how many times it blew up. Now three times. Three times. Three times. Yeah. You're getting ahead of yourself in the story here. You know. So anyway, I was de- I was five, five or six grand deep in the car within the first few months of owning the car. It was only a ten year old car. It was a ten year, but I had a hundred thousand miles on it. Yeah. And I didn't do the maintenance because I didn't know any better. Yes, dumb kid. <laughs> we're not. We're not helping DSM cause. Right. Well. We know it better now. Yeah. But, but this, I, is what, this is still this what is happens, what happens today. To these cars. People buy them cheap, and they drive them, and don't maintain them, and they break. Some people learn fast and learn to do it themselves. Some people spend a ton of money in the body before they spend any money <laughs> on maintaining it, and that's stupidity. So since I did not know what I was doing, I did not know why the car blew up. I didn't even know the car blew up. I just knew it 
just stop running and wouldn't restart again. Yeah. So I sent it to a mechanic. The mechanic said, well, you're talking about broke. Maybe you got lucky. Not knowing DSMs yet at the time, there is no way to get lucky. No. So you're always going to ruin something. Interference all the time. Yeah. Well, I remember that he called up and he said, you're missing a piston. Mm-hmm. He goes, I think it's probably in the oil pan. So it completely powdered number three piston and dropped it in the oil pan. So I needed a whole motor because the valves were junk and everything was junk. And it was just not a good scene. So stupid 19-year-old me said, okay, I'm already five or six grand deep in this thing. I can't just throw it away because I have no more money. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to take out a personal loan to put a new motor in the car and pay somebody to do it. So 19-year-old listening to the show, don't take out a personal loan to fix your car. Don't buy a DSM. <laughs> no, do buy a DSM, but learn how to fix it first. <laughs> um, so... Now, all of a sudden, I'm $10,000 deep into the car because now I've put $5,000 into the motor, <laughs> which lasted all of 2,500 miles. Yeah, I don't know. It was like a bad rebuild somehow. Well, it, not somehow. It was the, the keyway on is it keyway on the crankshaft. Yeah. The... Um, the keyway on the crankshaft was missing, so they put something else in that fit. Instead of like the instead of the proper like half moon shape, woodroof key, yeah, the woodroof key that's yeah. like five dollars, right? So when they assembled it, they didn't put the proper piece in there. I didn't know this. So whatever they put in there failed. So probably welded or something stupid. More than likely, I don't know what they did, but nonetheless, it failed uh, right after the break-in period. Mm-hmm. Um, so there I am again with the dead motor. They did pay for the motor, yeah, um, but they didn't pay for the labor. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know enough at the time to know that they screwed it up in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that happened. So now I'm on motor number two. I've paid another, I think I paid $700 for labor to have them put a motor in it, which was probably not a bad deal at the time. And they were giving me a break because of what happened. Yeah. Um, but so now we're to the car for $11,000. And I've maybe driven it 5,000 miles. When did the first transmission go? Right after. Okay. <laughs> right after that, the transmission let go. Uh, again, this is really not helping the DSM. This is really cause. not helping the DSM cause. No, again, it was due to lack of maintenance. I don't think we ever changed the fluid in that car, in the transmission. Because what the hell did I know? I just wanted a cool, fun car, and I learned to drive standard on it. So the second gear synchro didn't like me anymore, and he'd just be driving down the street, and it would just pop out of gear. They're always shitty in those cars anyways. Well, it got so shitty that it just wouldn't shift in a second anymore. So we put a transmission in it. Or I had the transmission rebuilt by yep. a transmission shop that was supposedly the best. I think that was $2,500. <laughs> so now I'm into the car $13,000 plus. Get the car back. Still won't shift in a second gear. Um, it will shift in second gear, actually, but it won't shift into second gear with any kind of... You know, any kind of speed. And not, like, drag race speed, but, like, accelerating at a normal rate speed. So, without double clutching. So, that was a big fight. They eventually put another transmission in the car for me. Somebody else wound up rebuilding it, and it came back fine. Uh, in fact, that transmission still lives on now. Oh, that's the one that's in my that's car? The one in your car now. It's yeah. a pretty good one. Yeah, well, it was... It was. They realized they didn't know what they were doing at this supposedly best transmission shop in the area yeah 
and uh, they sent it out to somebody. I never knew who it was or where it went, but somebody who uh, who said they specialized in them. So, not knowing who it was at the time, I couldn't tell you who built it because I know who I paid, and it wasn't the person that did it. So, yeah, it could be a ship tranny for all I know, because <laughs> it ships really well. <laughs> uh, it's not a ship tranny. No, I know it's not a ship tranny. There's one, I do have a ship tranny in the client. Yeah, um, which I got for a song. So now that's all good and ready to go. Um, Maybe you had it for another year or so, and a time bell snapped again. Uh, we I don't think we ever looked in to find out why, but it only had maybe 7,000 miles on it. I, I felt like one time the balance shaft belt gave loose or something. I don't know why. I don't remember. It, it couldn't I, have been I've OEM belts. Of, I've kind of put it out of my head at this point. Um, so the motor popped again, and I was like 15 grand deep into the car, and it had only been like two years, and I just was... That doesn't even count the the wheels and tires and exhaust and suspension and all yeah. that stupid stuff I did to the car. Um, so I, I I just got frustrated, and uh, I parked it, and I thought about fixing it, and thought about fixing it, and thought about fixing it, and then you needed parts to build yours. Yeah, I needed the transmission, so I, I parted the car out. Yeah, so I sold it to you for way too less than the transmission <laughs> cost to yeah. rebuild. And uh, that was like four or 500 bucks and I sold it to you for, right? Yeah. Maybe even less. I don't remember. Yeah. I sold the blow motor for like 500 bucks. Yeah, I know. It was a six bolt. Yeah. Well, life goes on. But it's because I didn't take the time to open the motor up either. I was just yeah. so done with the car. Uh, it didn't need a bottom end work. It only bent valves, I remember. And I yeah. assumed it was going to be bottom end work it, again. And I just threw it away. So I, hey. I, think, I think I put the car out of its misery and we sent it to the junkyard. I don't discredit you for what it, you did. So It deserved to be crushed. It was so pretty. It was pretty, but it was cursed. Yeah. Well, anyway, so someday I will have another... Uh, blue 1990 Eagles Allen. Yep. Just because that's the car that, despite all of its problems, it's the car that led me down the path that I am on now that led me to sitting uh-huh. here on a podcast with you yep. and running my vintage imports yep. of New England business. That's right. Because it's the car that really taught me a lot about mechanics, um, taught me a lot about wrenching, and uh, taught me a lot about patience and the order of operations. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> don't spend money on making it pretty until you make it right. So that's something that I have certainly uh, really pushed to do ever since then. I've, And I'm sure as you or anybody that knows me personally knows that most of my cars now are pretty damn ugly. Yep. Because I don't spend any money making them pretty. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> someday. Someday I'll paint what was, something. What was after that car? Starion. Uh, excuse me, Audi. Oh, yeah. The Audi was cool. The Audi was cool. It was. This was in 2003. Yeah, so it was an old one. It was only a couple years old. It was only a two-year-old car, but I had 75,000 miles on 180 it. 180 Sport. Yes. Uh, I was looking for a 97, 98, because that was in my price range, which at the time was like a $10,000 car. Yeah. Um, just for a daily driver, something fun to drive. Uh, again, I was going from an Eagle Talon to an Audi A4. It probably wasn't the best decision. In my opinion, that uh, generation of Audi Volkswagens is probably the best uh, the 98 and 97 cars were not the ones I was looking at. Really? Yeah, they're, they're cursed with well, a lot of Well, I meant like the, 2000, the, the, the early 2000s? The, the B5 or whatever. Body style. B4s? I don't remember. Shit. I forget. It doesn't matter. Yeah, so anyway, the car was in 01, and I bought it in 03. Yeah. I worked at the Chevy dealer, and our wholesaler came in with it. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for one of those. What year is that? I knew it looked too new because it had the one-piece headlights, which were the high-intensity lights. And yeah. It had the wheels that looked newer. And he goes, oh, it's an 01. 
And I was like, oh, that's too out of my price range. Because what are you looking for? I said, I'm looking for something around ten grand. If you get this with Boris. Yeah, Boris. Boris. Not Boris Karloff, but Boris, the used car guy. He'll give you a good deal. He did give me a great deal. Because the car had 70,000 miles well, on it. Help me out. You give me a good deal. But it was two years old. Uh, it had a dent in the door. Um, and he charged me 13 grand for the car. Yeah. Somebody paid almost $40,000 for the car two years earlier. So I paid thirteen grand for He the probably car. bought it for like six or I'm something, sure he, knowing Boris. I'm sure he scored it somewhere, but I don't care because he passed the savings on to me. Yeah. So it was great. Uh, that car was awesome. Yeah, because um, otherwise it was going to get shipped to Russia. It was an 01-180 t Sport, which if you know anything about that generation Audi, that's the car to get if you're looking at a 180T Audi. It's a last-year car. It has the better 180T, the higher horsepower. It's a Sport, so it was an like inch and a half lower from the factory. It had the 16-inch alloys. And it had a cloth interior. Silver with, on black. With silver, like they all it was, were. It was a pretty car. With the, gray, the blackish gray cloth heated interior it's with a the sunroof, HIDs. Yeah. And it had the monsoon Bose stereo. And it was a really good-looking car and a really reliable car. And that car never let me down, really. Nope. I mean, I got a check engine light like once, and it was a cam sensor. And you didn't have it. It wasn't old enough for the the uh, dot matrix display and the center dash to go bad. No, everything was like brand new in the car. It yeah. was a great car. Yeah, Heated seats worked one. I remember the first time we like the, I got the car, I remember sitting in it in my parents' driveway and just being like, how the hell did one of us buy this thing? Like, yeah. This is way too nice for us. Yeah. Volkswagen <laughs> heated seats are like little fires. Oh, yeah, it's hot. It's hot. Um, so I had that car for a couple of years, and it treated us well. Uh, we autocrossed that a few times. Remember? Oh, yeah. Because that yeah. was in um, and uh, and. Stock or NA stock? Or no, novice. A stock. It was we, a, NAS, no, novice would, A stock. That would have been A stock. I remember it said NAS on the side of it. Mm-mm. What would it have been? A stock would have been like an Evo S2000. Or maybe my, my, my Evo was That might have been like B or, or G or something. Or H. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it was the same class as like a Saturn SW2. I remember because I was running against those guys and I couldn't beat them. Yeah, because so, those are really good autocross cars. For some weird reason. Yeah. It's because they're plastic bodies. Yeah, they're lightweight. But anyway. So I had that car for a while, treated me well, and then I said, well, I've had this car alone now for two years. I've established some credit. Um, now it's 2005, early 2005. Yeah. I want an Evo, so I bought an Evo. Yeah. There's other cars in between. I had that El Camino for a little while. Sorry, the GMC Caballero, which Andrew hates. I hate that generation El Camino. Guilty, guilty pleasure car. Um, it's a Caballero, which I never drove. And I had I bought an '87 Conquest, which was purely based on my Eagle Talent prior, because I was like, "Hey, these Mitsubishi turbo cars are fun. Can I buy one that I don't drive every day and <laughs> maybe be more reliable?" So I had that red '87 for a while. That was a nice looking car. It was while I had the Audi for a New England car. It was it was pretty decent shape. It had the classic couple spots where they couple rot. spot in the quarters behind the and rockers, the, the frame rail. I had the right frame rail. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's caused by the air conditioning, actually, in those cars. Ah, it does the drain, condenser right? drains down there, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so that car was in between there. Um, I can't get into the car history of all of my cars because we'd be here all day. Um, but the important ones are Camaro, Cutlass, Talon, Audi, and into the Evo. And the Evo finally really cemented my, my Mitsubishi love because um, that car was flawless all the time. I mean, it was pretty new. It only had 7,000 miles on it when I bought it. Oh three. 03. Sorry, 03 black SSL. Tar- tarmac black. Yeah. Yep. Sun sound and leather. No, not leather. Well, sun, uh, SSL didn't mean sun sound and leather yet. I don't think there wasn't SSL yet. It was a full option car. 
I think SSL came out in oh, I thought it was SSL four with leather because wasn't it sun for the sunroof, sound for the stereo, and L was leather. S SSL. Yeah, sun, sound, and leather. I didn't have leather. Oh, they didn't okay. have leather in the O threes. That's right. Um, regardless, it was a tarmac black, HIDs, sunroof, big stereo, all mm-hmm. the stuff that you wouldn't want in a race car, but it made for a nice driving a- street car. Wicked nice car. Wicked nice car. Yeah, super nice car. Um, I went through brakes a lot on it because I drove it too hard. Yeah. But that was about it. <laughs> um, after that, it's been a succession of old crappy cars that you've all heard about already. Yep. Um, Volkswagen Golfs and GTIs and Jettas and Colts and mm-hmm. lots of Colts. Lots more Conquests and Starions. Yeah, but those are all current cars, so we'll talk about those more. Yeah, we have to go. Most of them are those. current, so we'll we'll touch on those in because I don't, get, I don't I don't really get rid of things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, no. kind of adopt them and yeah. So there's this. I think there's twelve cars sitting around New England that belong to me. Jesus. Yeah, two motorcycles, twelve cars. Well, let me. Kinda, I'll go, they're kind of everywhere. I'll go through mine pretty quick because we we do have a good amount of listener questions. You want to save yours for next week? Uh, we got a good amount of listener questions. How long have we been going for already? We're about 50 minutes. All right, let's do listener yeah, questions. Yeah, we'll jump to listener we'll, questions. We'll, we'll save mine for next week. Gonna, it's actually kind of a similar car history. Yeah. <laughs> a uh, bunch of Mitsubishis and a couple other cars. Oh, when you hang out together, you grow up together. That's what happens. Yeah, exactly. People thought it was weird that you'd have the same cars as your friend, but I don't know. If you like the same car, Yeah. it's not weird. Nope, not at all. Whatever. The one thing I do regret is that your talent and my talent never really ran together at the same time. I remember like one or two times. days doing it, Yeah, but I wish not we a had lot. them at the same time. Um, so, listener questions. Question yeah. number one. You want to read that one? Uh, from Joe Osborne? Yeah. Joe Osborne says, rally friend, camping friend, mm-hmm. about to have a baby. Yep. Uh, why the hell have there been so many don't warm your car up articles this year? There's literally a new one every day this season. The Facebook, don't warm your car up, it's bad for your car. Articles. I think it's just an easy article that gets, it's clickbaity article that people will just click on and read right. and share on it's, Facebook. It's full of misinformation. Do you warm up your car? Absolutely. Well, especially the other day when it was like 10 degrees. Yeah, even when it's 70 degrees out. I don't just get in the car, turn it on, drive away. If it's 70 degrees, it's like 30 seconds. But still, you get in the car, you start it, it's got a fast idle. Yeah. I don't care how new the car is or how old the car is. It's going to have a fast idle. Plus, the oil is like molasses. And, and it hasn't it, circulated around the engine, and yeah. your valves are dry, and everything is just – it needs to. everything needs to circulate and move. The best example I'd ever seen of congealed oil was during the Winter Challenge Rally when it was 14 degrees last it year. Really, it had oil. Yeah. oil to the Raider, and it was in the back of the truck where it was cold, and it literally poured out like, like maple molasses. syrup. Yeah, it was pretty yeah. awful. Yeah. Like cold maple syrup. Yeah. It was terrible. We couldn't even check the level because we knew it was just sitting there in the top of the cylinder head. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I, I don't know why there's so many of them other than what you said. It could be a clickbait thing. It makes people read it. It makes people talk about it. Don't listen to them. It's not right. Warm your car up. It's better for your car. At least a few minutes. Yeah. I mean, the the one article was talking about how the cars are designed to give you more fuel when they're cold, which is true. Yep. That's, but it was it, saying that it washes the oil off of, you know, it doesn't. No. It doesn't do it. That's, that doesn't happen. The fuel does not drain down past the pistons when you set your car up on a good running car. No. <laughs> I mean, maybe some vapor, maybe, but, I mean, you get a giant explosion every time the thing drives yeah. fuel in. And I, all it would have to be running. You would have, it would, the car would have to run so rich. That it would just smoke. To fuel wash into the oil. Right. Well, that's what they were saying. One of the, their article that 
um, I saw yesterday that I had to debunk on a friend of mine who's a non-car friend, um, his Facebook page. He put it up saying, oh, I guess I shouldn't run my car up anymore. And I was like, no, <laughs> you definitely should warm your car up. But the article said what happens was it sends so much extra fuel that the fuel washes down past the pistons and it dries because it's fuel, so it flash dries. And it dries the oil off of the rings, and the rings score the cylinder walls. Mm, no. Right. More than likely, there's not going to be enough you know, oil you, yeah, you know, yeah, that's the cylinder you walls. You score, score the cylinder walls because you've driven off and are now doing 2,000 no RPM. Yeah. With no oil on top end. Yeah. No. So warm your car up. Yeah. Please just, warm your car just up. Just warm it up. And then, it, then of course, the, the big article that went viral... This week was the Michigan man that got a $128 ticket for warming his car yeah, up. Yeah, exactly, which is baloney. Because apparently in Michigan, you have to have the keys cannot be in the car or something. If you have a remote start, you can Legal. start your car and let it run let it idle. If you have the keys in the car, you can't start the car and let it run. Which is interesting. It's an auto theft thing. Yeah. Because Michigan still has pretty high auto theft rates. Yeah. So they're trying to keep auto theft down. Yeah. Yeah. But if – I mean, please, if some dude – Steals my car because it's 10 degrees outside and he needs a car. Yeah, he needed it more than I did. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take the insurance. Yeah, it's, it's insured. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't uh, – I, I warm your car up. Next question. That uh, that little hint was from our, our buddy Ryan uh, Retzma. Who is in Michigan now, actually. Lives in Michigan now. Works for one of the major manufacturers. Yes, he does. And he just bought a Skyline. Yeah. First so come back with that Skyline, please. Yes. R32. Uh, I guess – well – Dimitri Alpinski asks, is Subaru better than Mitsubishi? One-word answer, no. I like both. Two-word answer, still no. I've owned both. I like both. I don't mind working on either. More detailed answer, shut up, Dimitri. Um, He's actually a Mitsubishi guy. I think he's a Quattro guy. He's a Quattro guy and a Mitsubishi guy. Yeah. But he's every time I've ever seen Dimitri... And we've crossed paths at a few rally events and car shows all over the country, actually. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of have the same travel schedule. Um, he's always been wearing a rally art jacket. Actually, so that, to me, makes him a Mitsubishi guy. You know what's funny is how we met him was because we went to imports at Carlisle. Mm-hmm. And we had your VR, Galant VR4 and my second they were Red next to each other. Conquest. And he took a picture between them because he liked both cars. Them. Yeah. And for some somebody tagged us in his picture on Facebook. Yeah, so friend of friend of friends, and that's how we found him. Yep, kind of weird. But now I know. You know he's Which, a, he's. I consider him a good Facebook yes, friend. Yes, <laughs> we should talk about going to Imports of Carlisle this year. I should. I haven't been there in a while. You've been a it bunch of times. Changed a lot. We'll talk about that later. I do want to go again because last year, the first year, the change it rained. So I'm hoping it'll be better this year. Okay, but I, I would like to go. Time it maybe with some other stuff on a trip. But well, hopefully well, I'm going to go it. promote my business there. So. If we can figure out, it's kind of, I think it's kind of close, Centralia, the abandoned coal mine town my, that is on fire. My plan is to, or wasn't it on fire currently? Yeah, it's been burning underground for like 70 years. It's coal, a, a vein of coal was on fire and the town is uninhabitable. Oh, that's crazy. So it's all, yeah, you can just drive there. Hmm. You look at it on Google Maps, it exists. I'll check that out. Um, I do plan on going there, like, like a, a vendor booth. Oh. We'll set up a Vine booth, and we'll also have auto off-topic stuff and well, I was, promote ourselves. Oh, well, I should have my new truck, and I was going to bring my new truck so I can camp out of it because it's, it's a cool import. Yep. And I'll probably bring a truck and a trailer, and I'll trailer it on my four-wheel drive. We can go to Centralia yeah. afterwards. Well, anyway. So anyway, yeah. So I believe Mitsubishi is better than Subaru. Um, I like both. Andrew likes both, but it's okay to be by this day and age. 
whatever. Uh, Mustafa Samil, what does a hen weigh? What does a hen weigh? What's a hen weigh? I don't know. About a pound and a half, I guess. Depends on the... Is it a chicken? I don't know what it is. Henway? Mustafa, fellow Gallant VR4 rally car driver. Mm-hmm. Rally car... Fellow Gallant VR4 driver, but rally car style, I should yes. say. Uh, Joe Stanley asks, as people that have driven all... Uh, sorry. As people that have driven the country a good amount... What are the biggest differences you notice between drivers in different states, regions? First of all, Joe Stanley, thank you for asking a serious question. Yes. That's his first. Yes. Um, it's a good one, though. It's a very good question. It's a, a good topic, too, where we're going to be driving around, to Arizona next week. Around so. here, people left lane squat constantly. That's nationwide. Nah. I, they were, I've ever driven. When I drove cross country, I noticed as I got out towards the middle of the country, people respected it more. The okay. Drive right, pass left. Here, absolutely, people do not respect it. No. It's terrible. Especially in a Prius. Oh, it's awful. And the worst is you get on the highway or you're on the highway driving and somebody pulls on merges and then immediately goes to the left lane. Right. You don't Without need to do that. Why, about it, yeah. why do you need to do that? Because they want to be out there where it's fast, man. The other thing, Even too, if, not going fast. if you're in the left lane, you do not need to police traffic behind you and go the speed limit. That is not your job. Nope. Don't do that. Nope. Just drive in the center lane or drive in the right lane. Alternatively, if you're in the center lane and somebody is on your bumper, yeah. you do not have to move out of their way. Yes. They can, they pass. can pass you in the left lane. That's yeah. what it's there for. Yeah. The center lane is there for when you're cruising down the highway. Yeah. So that's not one that aggravates A lot of me. people pass on the right here. Sometimes you have to pass on the right because people are just squatting well, in the left or they're driving slow in the The one center. thing I noticed more in New England, uh, it, it's actually it's coastal. It's, it's New England and California. Mm-hmm. Uh, people drive really fast and really aggressively. Yes. There's, there's, everybody's in a hurry 100% of the in time. In California, when I drive there, what freaks me out is lane splitting with motorcycles. That is freaky as fuck. It doesn't freak me out. I, well, people I don't do it here. It, yeah. but <laughs> Yeah, but people do it in California when the freeway – it's a freeway in California. We call them highways here. But right. when you're doing like 65, 70 and people are still lane splitting when there's not that much traffic, mm-hmm. it's – Super freaky. What freaks me out, California driving, is the trafficators. So the traffic, the uh, sorry, the um, what do they call it? Traffic merging devices, stoplights on on ramps. Oh, they have those in Arizona too. Yeah, I don't like those. Especially, so, like, I've only driven rental cars really it in California. Kind of makes sense. I mean, it's one at a time. Yeah. So at least you don't have people. It probably prevents the rear ending that happens here. What it prevents for somebody like me who drives old cars is being able to maintain a safe highway speed on well, the highway. All, it's only a rush hour, too. accelerate so slowly compared to modern cars. Well, don't drive at rush hour. I'm driving a 75-horsepower Dodge Colt. I want to be able to accelerate under the highway on the on-ramp, not have oh, to come from a dead that's stop. the other thing, too. Up here, we have yields to get on highways, and there's not... There, t- some of our highways are a lot smaller. Right. There isn't... Merging lanes. There's no merge lane. You yeah. need to get on the highway, so you need to use the on ramp, and you need to time it by looking, because you have a yield. You don't have to stop. You need to time your entry into the highway and just slide into traffic at, at the you right speed. You need to be speed. going faster than your highway speed entering the highway. Yes, it, because there are so many times where people will get all the way at the end of the ramp and then realize they screwed up and a yield, stop. and they will stop. And there's been plenty of times, like when I was in the Mirage, because that thing needed to be wound up, I would just go right around them and just merge. Yep. <laughs> or somebody would be stopped. At the, I actually had one time, I saw it that somebody had stopped, and their traffic was kind of heavy, so I stopped like six car lengths behind them, and then waited for a gap, and I was about to go, and this dude in SRT4 got mad behind me and went around me. It's like, well, dude, you're in an SRT4, you can accelerate. Yeah, I can't. I can't. 
It's like, whatever. Anyway. So I think it's more aggressive on the East Coast and the West Coast. Uh, and the more inland you get, the more laid back everybody is. Which speed isn't them. just driving, it's just people. Speed limits get higher. Yeah, they do get higher. It's slow out here. Although up towards New Hampshire, they have upped them to 70, which is nice. If you have a car that can maintain a higher speed. I just need more cars. I just need new cars. Is fine. <laughs> you can't I, do 70. Like. I can do 70, but it's. I can't in like, the NSU. Yeah. I mean, the Montero has a little trouble as you get an elevation, but. Yeah, in my Montero, that's when I blew it up and I was doing a steady, like, 80. So. <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. Do you have a tailwind? Are you going off a cliff? No, you, you can get <laughs> up there eventually. I was driving all the way from Maine to Beverly. Oh, so right. I had plenty right, right. of time to get there. I mean, I think I'd gone all the way through Maine and New Hampshire and I was in, like, Groveland, Massachusetts by the mm. time I hit 80. But I was doing 80. Yeah. No, whatever. Next question. Uh, well, actually, this is from Evan Lacey. So he says, I know it's more of a request than a question, but will you guys do this one in your underwear? And uh, we aren't, but we'll say we are. Should I be putting my underwear back on now then? No, in your underwear. Why is it off? <laughs> I'm I kidding. Mean, it's not. I'm fully en- clothed. Enzo's with us, the dog. I'm fully clothed. He is completely naked. He has no collar on. He's so furry. It's all right. We call that going naked when yeah. you take his collar off. Uh, yes. Thank you, Evan. Uh, we will not do this one in our underwear. Nope. We will do it in our clothes. Nope. We're not comfortable enough. Maybe if you come over and request it in person. Maybe. Maybe. What if I'm not wearing underwear under my clothes? Don't need to know. Okay. You're saying, sir, the only thing separating me from you is a thin layer of denim. That's right. <laughs> More. Oh, it's always sunny things. Right? <laughs> Uh, all right, next question. Denim chicken. Jared Robinson, last week's guest. How long before we make an auto off-topic lemons car? And then my follow-up question was, why not chump car or American endurance racing? Because to me, lemons, yeah, they say $500 car, but you spend way more than $500 on that car. Yep. Because you get to make only, it safe. I, I get lemons, but I wouldn't. I don't think I want to do lemons, only because it's gimmicky, and it's not. And you're probably like, "Oh, you guys are no fun." It's a lot of effort for gimmicky. I don't want to wear a costume. I don't want to. Have I don't a mind. Theme. I don't mind that stuff. I like that stuff. I like to watch that. And be I, a spectator of that. I do it. I want to do a gambler 500, which is the new thing where you just buy a beater car. You don't even have to be a 500 dollars car, and you just go Something off road. That shouldn't make it. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> All right. And there, there's no, like, extra safety equipment. Yeah, I, I, have, I have nothing against Lemons cars. I understand why they do it. I understand what it is. I, I, what you said about chump car and that kind of stuff interests me a little bit more because it's if I'm going to take the time, effort, and money to do a race car, I want to kind of take it serious. And I want to be able to buy an old built race car. And race it. And in those series, uh, I'm not sure in chump car, but I know AER, you go out, you set a lap time. They can pretty much tell once you start racing if you sandbagged it. Right. You You're set a lap time, and then you're put in a class, and you race against those people. It's a little less of a shit show than a Lemons is. And I just feel like if I'm spending yeah. all that time, effort, money in a car, I don't want to destroy it at a Lemons race where it's a much higher risk of it being destroyed, I think. Yeah. Based on what I've seen. I haven't yeah. participated personally in any of them. No. But I, that's I just... went and watched one. Hey, listen. But... If, if somebody wants to sponsor a auto off-topic Lemons car, we will definitely do it. But I don't want to put my own money behind it. No. Whatever. Oh, excuse me. Phil Beers asks, cast iron, aluminum, or both? I'm not sure. I assume he's talking about engine blocks. You could be talking about pans. I was thinking cooking pans. Yeah, cast iron. We've definitely got, the answer We've that got a mix of cast iron and aluminum in our house. And stainless steel? No, no stainless steel. Oh. The aluminum heats pretty fast. It's nice and even. 
Yes. But it's no stick, which some people say Teflon's not good for you. But did you die? Nope. Uh-huh. Uh, we like the I, I cast like, iron's good for camping. Cast iron's really good for camping because you can, you can put you can you don't really have to wash yeah, it. Yeah, just put water and boil it. Water <laughs> and then scrape it with metal. You're not going to destroy it. Yep. You can you can kill someone with it if you have to, or a bear if you have to. It would suck Cut someone. It's not good if you're going to hike, but if you're like car camping, yeah, if you're car camping, it's the way to go. Yep, definitely. Um, as far as anything else goes, I mean, for an engine, if it's available in aluminum, sure, aluminum. Are we mixing the two? Don't mix the two. I hate yeah, it. Should mix, mix the two. two. Steel block, Almost aluminum head. All your cars are mixed. I know, and they all break. Head, head gaskets, gaskets left and three, right I feel like because it's between 20, the two damn things. Twenty sixteen was the year of head gaskets. Yes, it was. Hopefully, not wood the table in front of us. We're it's IKEA woods. It's Swedish wood, so the sobs should be fine. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Benjamin Matthew asks: Snow seasons versus so excuse me, snow tires versus all seasons. We've already had a pretty long discussion about this. Mm-hmm. Um, let me finish the question. Excuse me. Yeah. Snow tires versus all seasons. What is the real difference and benefits of running one set of all seasons versus two sets of seasonal tires? The only benefit is cost. Yeah. And it's not a cost benefit if you wind up crashing your car. But you don't wear out one set of tires. Like you basically are splitting the year between a set of tires. Well, there's lots of benefits of splitting the tires. There's only mm-hmm. one benefit of running an all season. And that one benefit is the cost. Mm-hmm. Period. End of story. Mm-hmm. That's about so, it. So don't do it. Go back to episode two or three. I think it's two. Episode two. We yeah. talk about that for 45 minutes. Listen to episode <laughs> two, bro. We uh, we tell you all about everything you need to know yeah. about snow tires. Buy snow tires. Live with snow tires. I think Ben runs snow tires, actually. Yeah. Um, I know he runs summers. Yeah. I know his summers won't fly in the winter. So. Yeah, we're going to call them, we're going to start calling them winter tires. Winter tires, not snow tires. Right. Yes, temperature is important, too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, run, run, run winter tires, period, end of story. All right. Brian Driggs has got a good question. What would you say are the top three skills gearheads need to master uh, to get the most out of their automotive adventures? Hmm. Top three skills. Diagnostics. Yep. Basic diagnostics. Mm -hmm. If something breaks out in the road, being able to get home is huge. Okay. Um... I mean, it's hard to quantify skills. Basic mechanics, is, a, is that a skill? Because if you don't know how to turn a wrench, you're not going to be able to do anything. Yeah. you got to know how to turn a wrench. Lefty, lefty loosey, righty, tighty. I mean, it's it's not... I guess, like, I have... I call it mechanical, like... Knowledge, fear. ability. I call it mechanical... Some people are afraid to take stuff apart. See, I would think mechanical fear, to me, is not using something because you're afraid it's going to break. Okay. Like if you own a new car with launch control, not using the launch control because you're afraid you're going to pull right. a transmission out of the car. I'll have to That's think of a better way to call to that. But like there's – I know there's some people that are worried about wrenching on something because they don't know how to do it. Because they took apart their robot when they were four and couldn't put it back together? Yeah. I guess – I don't know. I just – it doesn't like – as, as somebody who's been doing this their whole entire life, yeah, the question I is know. hard to answer it's because hard, cause... all the skills to me are one skill set. I have the skill set of mechanics. I can work on my car. If, if somebody's just like, oh, we're going to take that apart, I'm like, okay. I've never done it before, but I'll do it. Yeah. It's, it's all nuts and bolts. Yeah. To me, all cars are the same. When they come down to it, they're all the same. They yeah. all work in the same principle. Yeah. Just what, what order do they go together? It helps to have... And if you take it apart, you should usually figure it out. It does help to have repair information sometimes. Uh, if you, if you, if you want to say three skills, basic mechanics, diagnostics, and welding, I mean, well, welding isn't necessary to be a gearhead. You I can don't hire somebody know how to, to do, do it, it. But I guess maybe... It, 
patience, attention to detail. I don't know if that's a skill. Organization. Yeah. Definitely organization because you can lose stuff real quick. Yep. Um, no. It's a really good question, but I think we might have to come back to that one and, and, and answer it again. I think Brian might be so – maybe Brian's input can go into this too because he's a bit of an automotive journalist himself. Yep. So he might uh, – Well, he has a second question, that. and I think that was from him. I may have missed the, the yes. person copying it. Yes, okay. it was. So he says, what uh, – what, it's probably What's supposed the, to be what is the most, is the most uh, universally hated vehicle you would secretly love to own. Uh, 1978 Dodge Volare station wagon. Yeah. I was going to say... It's personal, so... Third gen Eclipse V6 five-speed. As a daily driver, As not daily. No no delusions of it being a race car. They're super fast, though. But they, they're... They're stupidly fast. For what they are, a, they're fast. But a, they're not fast in any kind of competition they could garbage be Garbage chassis. Yeah. So... In a straight line. I enjoy driving steering. them because the V6 sounds really good. Yeah. Um, they shift really nicely, but they don't handle very well. They don't look very good. Nope. It, it, it would be a good commuter, I guess. Mm-hmm. Maybe fast back road commuter or something. Because they're super cheap. Yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty much free, actually. Yep. <laughs> and they're really not that bad for Yeah, I, I guess I, I could probably own one. Um, to just make sure it's got a timing belt done on it because it's a Mitsubishi. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I really want a Volari station wagon because just because my grandfather had one mm-hmm. and it was pea green with pea green vinyl <laughs> and it was just an awesome car just because it was memories of my grandfather. Enzo, relax. We're almost done. Yeah, he's fine. Enzo, lay down. All right, next question. Over there crying. Uh, Justin Hughes asks, what is the fastest color? And he says, hint, World Rally Blue. So he answered his own question. I would say, see, I see weightless white. Just the Evo color. Well, if you really want to go the world's fastest color, it's going to be something like Rosso Corsa or Porsche okay. Guards Red. Okay. Or red is the world's fastest color. Yeah. Um, apparently, it's black because the black lab here is chasing his tail in yeah. circles you, around next to us. So he got it. You get the tail. <laughs> you know that's attached um, to you, buddy. I would say <laughs> – sorry, this is very distracting. Um, I would say that the fastest color is red. Yeah. Just because whenever you think performance, what, what did 17-year-old Andrew paint in his intake parts in his car – 19, but red. Red, yes, because red is the fastest color. My valve cover is red in the clock, but that's factory. That's factory. It's fine. I the guess, yeah. Red is the fastest color. Type R, the R is red. R is red. GTR, the R, R is red. red. Okay. Yeah. All right. Red is... Red is the fastest color. We hereby decree red is the fastest color. Right. World Rally Blue is the most fanboy color. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Sorry, Justin. <laughs> Chris Dorado wants to know, where do all the 10 millimeter sockets go? I know where they go. <laughs> the same secret pocket in your dryer that all socks are in. Unless you're using my dad's tools, and then he has a secret, like, sixth sense that he knows when a socket's missing. He me. does know where it is. He doesn't know where it is, but he knows it's missing every yeah. time. <laughs> Remember the wrench that we lost at Mage's Volkswagen? 13 millimeter. <laughs> yeah. yeah it was a stupid German car. It had 13 millimeter, which is gone. It was in the heater channel or something. <laughs> he found it. fell out in the street. Yeah, like a month later. <laughs> but the other day, I was working on your father's blazer. I was helping him reinstall oh, the ring. fender liner, and my wedding ring fell off, which I shouldn't have been wearing working in the car anyway, mm-hmm. but we could not find it, and we had the car almost 100% all buttoned back up, and we had to take the fender liner back off to find it, because it had fallen, and there was so much grease and grime, because it's an 89 yeah. Chevy Blazer, S10 Blazer, yeah. there was so much grease and grime that when it fell, it just stuck on top of the frame rail <laughs> underneath a brake line, and you couldn't get to it with the fender liner on the car. So. All right. Yeah, all the 10 millimeter sockets, 
You take them off, you put them in your pocket, they go through the wash, they wind up in the they, same place go, all those matching socks go to. They go where all the cowboys go. Where have all the cowboys gone? Yeah. yeah. Far, far away. Uh, Brad Anderson asks, what kind of grease would you use when packing muffler bearings? I say to Brad Anderson, it's time for a new joke. Yep. That's an old joke, Brad. Yeah. Get on, get, get over it. Dad joke, No Brad. dad jokes, but not dad. I'm dad, Brad. You're not dad, Brad. <laughs> I said unobtainium grease. Unobtainium? Unobtainium. I like it. Little or what my dad always uses, space grease. Space grease. Space grease. Because my uncle used to work for a company that developed products that NASA oh, used. Oh, so it was real grease. So it's a real grease, but he called it space grease because it was NASA grease. Okay. So it's basically just a lithium <laughs> grease. It's yeah. nothing special. Whatever. Jeremy Nuts. Tell us a helpful auto repair, auto body trick that we may not already know. Um, rubber bumpers. This what is a fun one. What about them? I made a lot of money doing this because everybody tips you when you do it too. Mm -hmm. um, customer has a urethane bumper or a rubber bumper on a modern car, mm -hmm. and they've backed into somebody plastic. else. You got the Camry dent. All you see, every Camry has the plastic bumper corner pushed in. Yep. Yeah, um, it's pretty common on most new cars. A hair dryer or a heat gun. It'll pop it it'll back pop out. Pop it right back out again. A little bit of polish gets the scratches off. There might be a little bit of distortion, but you save yourself, you know, five or six hundred dollars with replacing it. Mm -hmm. So that's probably the best little trick that I always used. Um, made a lot of happy customers, a lot of repeat customers. So you take care of them like that once, and they're always going to come back to you afterwards. Mm -hmm. So that I, was a good way. I only learned this like kind of recently. I never realized it. If you're threading in a bolt. If you start going backwards a little bit, it'll it find it the up. threads yep. before you tighten it. Was it was like, poof, like mine. When somebody yeah. showed me that, I was like, oh, shit. That's Especially like, when you're doing like a blind thing where you can't see yeah, it. You're trying never, to line two pieces up. I was like, damn, that's like Like a really Volkswagen good. wheel? Yeah. Or Volkswagen wheels. Yeah, stupid studs. Um, one last question. Uh, this is from Justin Marble. Uh, old cars with low miles. Is it really as good as a deal as you might think? This is kind of a big topic, so we're going to touch on it quickly. Yeah. It depends on the car, and I think it is. If it was sitting a lot? Depends on where it was sitting, how it was stored, what's going on with the car. I have a lot of low-mile cars. Stuff needs to move. But I have a lot of low-mile cars. Yeah. You know, we've got that. My 84 RX-7 had 38,000 miles on it when I got it in mm -hmm. 2012. And everybody said, oh, the car is going to fall apart. Brake lines are going to go. The, Everything's gonna fall apart. the the ro the rotors and the rotary engine, the the seals are gonna be gone. It's gonna smoke. It's gonna need to be rebuilt. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I drove that car almost every day in the summertime and never had a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't see it as a problem. I have a thirty six thousand mile RX seven now ninety one. Exaggerated then? I think it's a greatly exaggerated problem. Everybody says I'd rather have a car with one hundred and fifty thousand miles than a car with forty thousand yeah, miles. Know. I disagree. I've owned a lot of low-mile cars, and I've never had the problems that people talk about. Common sense. You look at it. If it's not dry-rotted, it's probably fine. I don't think there's any scientific evidence. It's just all hearsay. Well, now it is. If a car's sitting out in the desert for 30 years, yeah, it's going to be junk. <laughs> the rubber's going to be gone. The hoses are going to be gone. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. You know, my 1974 Dodge Colt has 10,000 miles on it. But all the hoses and all the lines in the car look fine because for the majority of the time, it was stored in a garage. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't. I don't. I, I, I disagree. Okay. I, I think that rather than buy the high mile used up car, buy a low mile car and just do some minor maintenance stuff, rubber parts. And go change, change the fluids. Change I mean, the definitely. Fluids. Yeah. Change the fluids, the drive belts, the timing belt, anything like I mean, that. Definitely change, change brake fluid because that does flush the brake fluid out and look at the brake lines. It is hydrophilic. Yeah. Bra brake lines are rubber. Mm -hmm. You can see them. 
right? It's not a secret if they're worn or not. Mm-hmm. So just look at them. If you look at the car and you can tell, you, you're going to know. I, I'll, I'll buy low-mile cars all I like day. The idea if of, anybody out there doesn't want to buy a low-mile car and they want to sell it cheap, let me know. I'll buy it from yeah. you. <laughs> I like the idea of braided brake lines on older cars. Cause... See, I don't because you can't see them. I can't see them. You can't see the a lot of them with rubber cores, don't they? Yeah, but you can't see any wear on it or anything. N- or... Well, I like adding them myself. Okay, that's fine. Like I'll, I'll definitely do them to the talon because they're those brake lines are almost thirty years old. They're old, yeah. So, but anyway, hey, who needs brakes? So I guess that does it for this episode, huh? Yeah, we'll talk about your cars next time. We're going to go long this time actually because we spent a little extra time there. Yeah, an hour and fifteen. It's not too yeah, bad. It's not too bad. Given... Hopefully, people stay interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully it sounds better. It definitely so, sounds better in my head here. It definitely, yeah, just on headphones it sounds better. So, uh, comments, suggestions, anything we got wrong, you can email me, email us at autooftopic uh, at gmail dot com. You can follow us on Facebook, uh, the Auto Off Topic Podcast. Uh, I am putting back episodes up on YouTube because I know a lot of people now are using YouTube as an audio player. So hopefully more people will find our podcast on YouTube. You'll flash some pretty pictures across. Yeah, no, I just have it set up to just kind of show the cover photo so you can just play it in the background or whatever. I would like to say thanks to all the people on Facebook that asked the questions. And our yes. page has a lot of new likes and a lot of new action this week. Yes. So I'm not sure what caused it, but I like it. We've been kind of sharing it around. and Yeah, so if you, pushing it if out you there. So if you go on iTunes, and you please rate, review, and, and of course share our podcast with a friend if you like it, uh, you can follow me. Oh, you can also follow us on uh, Auto Off Topic on Instagram. It's just Auto Off Topic. Uh, the other thing, what else? My personal Instagram is Raced in Anger. Uh, our uh, other in-studio guest this week that was very quiet, Enzo. Yeah, you're looking around. He's now? looking. He's looking at his reflection in the television screen. He's getting ready to. He's kind of ready to go. I think he needs to go out again. But his Instagram is Cuddle Buddy Enzo. He's really good with the phone. Yeah, even without opposable thumbs. I don't yeah. know how he does it. Yeah, he's really good. Stephanie's uh, kitchen. Steph's ugly kitchen. Yep. That's because uh, our kitchen is ugly. There's some nice yeah, pictures. Yeah, not Steph. The kitchen. Yeah, yeah. the kitchen. <laughs> There's some nice pictures of the chocolate chip cookies she made that uh, Cuddle Buddy Enzo devoured by himself. Right. Uh, I got very meta I got here. two. That was it. That's too bad. I was going to share them with you. Yeah, it's all right. I don't oh. need them. I don't anyway, need them. What do you got? You got anything to plug? Of course. Uh, well, we're... my personal Instagram, as always, is the TSISS350. Mm-hmm. Um, my company, Vintage Imports of New England, can be found on Instagram at Vintage Imports New England. Uh, can be found on Facebook at the same, Vintage Imports of New England. And I can be contacted at uh, brad at vintageimportsne.com. And of course, that website is vintageimportsne.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I'm going to take another week to promote my wife's book because uh, she just went through and re-edited it and got new copies of it printed. And uh, we're pretty happy with the, with the way it looks. It's called Maddox Pike. Second printing. Yes, it is a second printing. Mm-hmm. There are a couple of things because she self-edited it that uh, when you self-edit something, you... Don't see your own little things. Nope. So nope. it's hard. We kind of went through we it. Let it sit for a while. Right. We, went, we let it sit for a while. Went through it again. Not a lot of changes. Yeah, no it, story change or anything. If you just don't make it flow a little better. Know anything about making? But it's very expensive to pay somebody to edit your book. It's ridiculously expensive. Yeah. I mean, it's a tough skill. It's definitely yeah. not. 
it's it's a hard skill. Like somebody has to be a really good editor. Yeah, so it's, it's not. It's not. It, it's it's. I'm getting quite an education helping her with book mm-hmm. publishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, it's called Maddox Pike. It's a like a, a thriller. Like a, a, mm-hmm. not really a, more, more of a thriller than a mystery, but yep. it's a good dark story. Uh, it was really good around Halloween. But, but she's. Independent author, self-published. Yeah, support her, please. It's, it's on uh, Maddox Am- Pike by D.A. Flanagan. Right? It's on Amazon. Uh, you can download it for Kindle, or you can buy it at barnesandnoble.com. Mm-hmm. So that's her, and uh, that's it. All right. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep your cards analog. Good night. Good night. <laughs>